the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. And as always, I'm joined here uh, in studio today with uh, Chad Turnwald. He's a member here at North Valley. Hey, Chad, good to have you back. Good to be back, Chris. I'm surprised. Surprised you came back. I didn't think you would, but you did. It was a tough decision, but <laughs> I'm glad you did. Not really. <laughs> and of course, we have Sage back in studio, uh, not in studio, but on uh, on his uh, cell phone here with us. Hopefully, if the Lord blesses us with uh, his presence every program, that would be great. He always has great insight. I like to hear his thoughts on these passages, and he's going to be helping us with Philippians. Thanks for coming back again, Sage. Good to be back with both of you. So last week, uh, we, we didn't finish up the, the passage on Philippians 1 there. Uh, what was that? Verses uh, 12 to 18. And I had cut us short by one minute. I don't know why. I thought we had to be finished by 26 minutes. It's 27 minutes for the radio program. So I uh, cut us short by a minute there. And also, uh, we were talking and discussing about this uh, before the program started. We're going to, if we don't finish, which we probably won't finish today, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 26, we'll end the program, the radio program, but we're going to keep recording, and we'll put the extra up on the website. So if you want to catch the rest of the story when we're done, and we probably won't get done on the 27 minutes, you can find it there. And, of course, if you don't know where to go to find it, go to www.ndcoc.net and click on that radio mic and you'll find today's program and all our past programs right there. And we'll, you can get that uh, live there or uh, recorded there. Okay, so I said last week we're going to let Sage uh, take the reins on this last section here. And he is ready to pour forth his thoughts and great words of wisdom from the last section there in Philippians chapter 1, 12 to 18. Take it away, Sage. Well, Chris, I'm so excited to uh, talk about this next portion of Scripture. It is something that, that obviously applies to uh, to us as, as preachers of the gospel, but it, it really applies to everybody in, uh, in some kind of way. And uh, and I, I know that uh, it's, it's difficult when you're thinking about circumstances and how they, they affect our lives and ministry. And, uh, and Paul just has so much good application for us here uh, in verses 15 and following, uh, continuing on into that next section where he starts to talk about other preachers during the first century. Uh, he really is focused on what I believe is the theme of chapter 1, uh, when you look at uh, the, the prevalent terms that are found here in chapter 1, you see uh, that really there's this huge focus on the gospel. Uh, the word gospel is found nine times in the book of Philippians, but it's found uh, six times just alone here in chapter 1. And, and Paul is, is focusing on the gospel, and he's talking about 
the, the Philippians' involvement in the gospel uh, and how they were helping Paul uh, preach and assisting him in their partnership with him uh, there at the beginning of chapter 1. Uh, and then he continues on to, uh, to start talking about how, how really the gospel can overcome our circumstances there at, uh, in verse 12 and following. Uh, that's kind of what, what we focused on last week when we were talking about uh, how there, there were certain things that were, that were possibly going to be getting in the way of, of Paul's ministry. Uh, you know, he was, putting it, he was put in prison and he was uh, uh, given uh, these unfavorable circumstances. And, uh, and he says in verse 12, I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And, and what Paul is trying to get them to remember is that the gospel can overcome our circumstances. Now, I know that you, uh, that you both, Chad and, uh, and Chris, you know that, that things have, have gotten away in your life. I, I know that we talked about some of that last week, but we know that, that those things can be so uh, uh, difficult to overcome. But, but I, I, I want us to focus on, as, as we move forward, that, that not only can the gospel help us, or not, not only can the gospel overcome our circumstances, but the gospel uh, can overcome us as people. It can overcome our own flaws, because I believe that that's kind of what he transitions to uh, here in verse 15 and following. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verse 15 and 16 for us, uh, and I believe uh, we'll see how how Paul is focusing now on uh, really the imperfections of, of people and of preachers. He says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, uh, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So what he's saying is that, that just like, like everything else, uh, the gospel uh, can overcome you know, even the, the own faults uh, of people and, and what we uh, sometimes uh, allow to get in the way, uh, just, just like everything else, uh, we want the gospel uh, to advance us at times instead of the kingdom of God, and I believe that that was a, definitely a temptation for uh, some individuals who were uh, starting to preach in the first century. Um, but Chris and, and Chad, what, what do you all think about... Uh, about the ways that, that somehow we uh, somehow and sometimes we see different individuals uh, preaching the gospel uh, for uh, really just the the advancement of themselves instead of instead of advancing the kingdom. How how have you guys seen that impact the church? Well, I mean, I, I've I've seen and heard of that happening here and there, and a lot of times I when I. Th- think I see as being as what you're saying there you know they're they're just preaching out of uh, you know to, to propel themselves if they're preaching truth you know as Paul says here if they're preaching truth I just keep my mouth closed and I don't say anything and I don't try to do anything to help promote them either I just let it be uh, if they're not preaching truth and you know I just I may I want to make sure I get all the information first I'm not just you know Going in there, guns blazing when I don't have all the the information. Those are difficult. That's a difficult question to answer. Uh, it's one of those uh, 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 situational ethic questions almost because you know every every situation is different. 
you just don't know. And uh, right. And it's it's. But I see. I know what you're saying. In general, it's sad. It's sad that folks do that. It's sad that there are uh, uh, men out there that preach for their own personal gain. That they're using such a wonderful free gift of God to try to give themselves a, I guess, more comfortable life in the here and now. And they're 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 lost. They don't have a good focus. And they may be saying the right words, but their actions are far from the heart of Christ. Kind of like what uh, Jesus told his disciples about the Pharisees, do as they say, but not as they do. Talking about when they preach from the law, do it, but don't do it the way they do it. And uh, that kind of right. attitude. What do you yep. what do you and think there, Chad? You we, got, uh... Well, I agree with both of you. The only, the only <laughs> thing I would maybe add to that is to... To, to know when someone's not preaching the truth, you've got to really submerge yourself in the Word so you know and you can recognize when when uh, when that's happening. Oh, good point. That's right. Yep. And, you know, when Paul, he, what he's saying here is he's saying that it's not that their message is wrong. They're they're preaching the truth. What, what's wrong with what they're doing is their motivation, their yep. uh, perhaps their attitude even, uh, maybe even just their, you know, what, what it is that's driving them to preach the gospel? It's not—it's uh, not to further the gospel. It's to further their own, maybe their own uh, reputation, their own influence. Uh, maybe trying to gather father, followers of their own. And, and there's even some indication here that that some are uh, actually, as a matter of fact, probably jealous of of Paul uh, because it says here in verse 17, he says the former. Uh, proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincere, but uh, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Uh, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Uh, so Paul definitely recognizes that the gospel uh, can not only overcome our own circumstances, that, Paul, that God can use us no matter where we are uh, in life, and uh, whether we're in the the, the highest mountains or the lowest valleys, the valleys, we uh, God can still use us in those circumstances, but also the gospel can overcome uh, flawed men who are uh, sometimes not preaching for for the right reasons. Oh, um, absolutely. And when we when we think about that, uh, that really should uh, help us to to realize how God is is working uh, in the world through His Word and. Uh, and how uh, the word and the message will will prevail regardless uh, of the fact that the mes- the messenger the the ones that God has commissioned to spread the gospel uh, are flawed and imperfect and uh, sometimes you know like like what we said have the wrong wrong motivation. Yeah, and I like what you were saying about uh, you know the, the the gospel overcoming our circumstances. I, I think that's what Paul is saying here. He's he's showing the Philippians. Look. Here is how you deal with these kind of circumstances in life. And in the case of these men who seem to be coming after me, well, are they preaching Christ? Great. Uh, I'm glad they do that. You know, they're doing it uh, out of pretense, but they're preaching Christ. And so in that, at least something, I can rejoice. Not in their motives, but definitely in their preaching. Good point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you ready? You ready to move on, or you got some more you want to uh, add in there for that passage? I think uh, I think that's a good place to move on, Chris. All right, we're going to look at verses nineteen to twenty-six now, as uh, Paul uh, 
has this transition there in verse 19. You see that word for there at the New American Standard. It's gar in the Greek. That's a, a transitional word. And he says there, starting in verse 19, For I know that this, that can be pointing back to what he's already written, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope. And I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. I have a story I want to share with you. It's about a young man's fiancée. She had broken off their engagement uh, a couple of months prior to the wedding. And uh, he received this uh, follow this letter I want to read to you. He received this from her about, about two or three months after she'd broken off the engagement. And I'm, it reads like this. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. Postscript. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. You you believe in her motives there, Chad? You think she's being sincere? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. She said she loved him. She said she wanted him back. But it was fairly obvious it wasn't him that she wanted back. She was willing to love him because he had lots of money now, but once that money was gone, so so would she. For her to live was the lottery. For her to live was the value of his wealth and the blessings that she thinks that would bring her. But she didn't really love him. And she didn't really want to live for him. Hers was a fair-weather kind of love, right? As long as sunny outside, as long as things were nice, boy, she was there. But as soon as turbulence or trouble or difficulties and the storms of life roll in, she was going to be gone. Too often, I think we as Christians can respond to God in the same way. As long as God does what we ask, as long as he answers our prayers the way we want them answered, as long as life goes exactly the way we believe it ought to, then we'll live for him. But if not, well... Now, do you think Paul was a fair-weather Christian? Obviously not. I mean, look at the letter here. Here he is imprisoned, and he's still going. He has other preachers out there preaching out of envy, and he still rejoices. He's still keeping on, keeping on 
for the Lord. And so Paul, in this passage, is giving us a different look at Christianity. Not only is he under arrest, but there's that slight possibility that he might soon die. And he tells us there in verse 20, according to my earnest expectations and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will of you now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So, Paul is going to consider what might become of him as he faces this trial before Caesar. The circumstances seem to point to a positive outcome. He expects, I think, to be released. In fact, you you can see that in the tone of the letter. Quite different tone over there in 2 Timothy where he's in a second uh, incarceration and he has this idea that he's going to be put to death. And that's uh, uh, what, what I think is going to happen there. And so, Looking there at verse 19, when he says, uh, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The way we interpret and understand the word deliverance here is going to uh, affect how we look at this passage. It literally means salvation. The New American Standard uses the word deliverance, and it gives you this idea that he's talking about uh, uh, release from prison. I don't think so. I don't think that's what's going on. Um, The deliverance that Paul, I think, has in mind, well, it, it doesn't have anything to do with his imprisonment or release. Some have suggested it refers to eternal salvation in heaven, but I think that he's quoting from Job, from this, if you look at, at the book of Job in the Septuagint, that's the Greek version of, of the Old Testament, verses thir- chapter 13, verse 16, there is, is an exact duplication of what Job wrote there. And I think Paul might be drawing a parallel between himself and Job. And just as Job was surrounded by his so-called friends who espouse a misguided view of his suffering, so too is Paul surrounded by those who are misguided about him. So I think it might be good to see here the idea of vindication. Job and Paul are saying the same things. Job was saying that whether he lived or died, he would be vindicated before God because he was righteous. Paul is echoing that belief about his own situation. And again, note that word, this, there in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, salvation, or vindication. What's the this? I think it's got to be what he just talked about in the previous passage. You guys want to give some comment on that? Now, these these are my opinions here, so uh, take it with a grain of salt, study these things out. But what what do you think, uh, Sage? Well, I I agree with you, Chris, and I I believe that when you when you put that into its context, when you put that word deliverance, it, uh, like you said, it's the same word that's used for salvation. When you put it in the context of what Paul has been saying throughout uh, the beginning of chapter one, and even what he says afterwards in chapter two, uh, he's he's talking about uh, uh, the advancement of the gospel, and he's talking about uh, how the Philippians need to bring their their good works to completion, and, he, and how he's confident in them and doing that in, in chapter one and verse six, uh, and then just like what you said in verse uh, verse uh, fifteen and following, really just that that whole section 
uh, talking about how what Paul is doing to overcome his circumstances is working out for the advancement of the gospel and how he's not allowing uh, he's not allowing these bad things that are happening happening to him to get in the way uh, of completing his good work uh, is is something that is ultimately going to uh, affect his own salvation now when you look at just this passage, like you said in verse 19 uh, and following, you says, For I know that through your prayers the help of the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ that uh, will turn out for my deliverance. A lot of times what we want to say uh, immediately or think immediately is, oh, Paul is, is praying, uh, Paul is having the Philippians pray for, for physical deliverance. I mean, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be in prison, so, um, so he's, he's wanting to get out of prison and he's wanting to uh, really just, just get out of this messy situation. Yeah, get out of prison and go straight uh, well, to go. Where, where there may... <laughs> I'm sorry? Uh, I was making a Monopoly reference. Sorry, where, I didn't mean to disrupt where, your thought. Some of, <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. No, so where there there may be some of that, uh, of course, I'm sure that the Philippians are praying for his deliverance, recognizing that he can do even more work if he gets out of prison. Uh, this seems to be focused on his uh, his own salvation, his own um, his, his own dealing or working out of his salvation. Later on in chapter two, he's going to talk about uh, about the the Philippians working out their salvation and how really this section is is talking about about overcoming these circumstances so that that your good works aren't hindered and so that ultimately you don't lose your salvation because because of your circumstances and allowing those to overcome you. Yeah, you know uh, what? Uh, I'm I, sorry to interrupt. I, I want to kind of I want to go back a little bit. So you've uh, mentioned something or hit on something you said, where people think that here in verse 19, his deliverance is him being he wants out of prison, and and, and I agree that that can't be it. In fact, I know there's probably people out there listening to the radio program who who probably think that way, or maybe your preacher says that. But I'm sorry to say it this way, but that's that's kind of kind of silly to think that way when you think about. Paul's situation in prison. Throughout the book of Acts, Luke lets us know his life preaching, going from city to city, was rough. Being stoned and left for dead, being chased, being threatened, everywhere he went, constant. It never ended. He was scared for his own life in Corinth, uh, uh, Corinth and God felt the need to let Paul know in a vision, don't worry. You're safe. I have a lot of folks here keep preaching. That tells us where Paul's mind was. He was nervous about what he was doing. And the, uh, in the book of Acts, as we looked at last week, tells us that he, he was in prison for two years. He had his own rented quarters. He could receive people. The people in Rome was receiving them. He was preaching the gospel to folks he could have never reached before in the Praetorian Garden in Caesar's household. It was great because who could harm him then? No one. No one. I mean, he had to have been living the high life in his uh, working in the gospel while he was in prison there in that first one. It was going great for him. Right. How could he want out of that? It was going so well, and the Jews couldn't touch him. Man. And, and, you know, and another, another thing to think about, Chris. Uh, sorry, did I, did I cut you off? There? No, go ahead. Go, go, go. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, you see God deliver... Peter out of prison. 
You know, so it, it's one of those things that if, if God wanted Peter, or if God wanted Paul out of prison, couldn't God have gotten him out? <laughs> couldn't God have, have figured out some sort of way to, to break, uh, to break uh, Paul out and, and, to, uh, and to move on from there? Uh, you know, sometimes we get caught up thinking, okay, Paul wants out of prison, and, and uh, which doesn't make any sense, like what you just explained. But but God must want him out of prison, just like God wants me out of my uh, my turmoil, my my uh, my unfavorable circumstance. Uh, when in fact, that's not that doesn't seem to be uh, what God wants for for Paul at all. No, no, no. We uh, we know what God's purpose is. Yeah, we we know what God's purpose is. It's uh, the Hebrew writer lets us know in Hebrews chapter two verse verse ten, God's purpose is to bring many sons to glory, and Paul kept doing that, even in prison. As long as you are working for the truth, working for the gospel, moving ahead, God I think will always ensure that we are in a position to further the gospel, to preach the word. And if, uh, if, it, if we're being hindered to a point where we can't do it, he will see to it that we can keep on keeping on for him. He will bless us in that way, I think. And so he was in a position, Paul, to continue working, and God left him there. He works all things for good. That's so, so true. And I, I want us, to, we're at uh, 25 minutes, I want us to at least finish verse 19 before we end the radio program. And so Paul uh you know, for, before I go for it, a real quick, Sage, what version of the Bible are you reading from? I'm reading from the ESV currently. The ESV. All right, I'm using the New American Standard, so I'll help you out in your uh, readings I there. Have, I, actually, <laughs> I have that. <laughs> no, no, I, I like having... I have the New American Standard Bible pulled up on my computer right now. So I, like having the different, I like having the different uh, translations there, so I'm glad you have that. So this uh, vindication, or deliverance, as New American Standard puts it, I like vindication, was dependent upon two things here in verse 19. On the prayers of the Philippians, as he mentions your prayers, and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But how, how would the prayers of the Philippians help Paul's vindication? Now, it's, it's possible that Paul is thinking of the outcome of those prayers, you know, the Father sending aid to him at the request of the Philippians. But Paul could be suggesting that it is the knowledge of these brothers praying in his on his behalf that will sustain him through uh, during the, the trial, so that he will be encouraged to conduct himself appropriately. I think that's what's going on here with that. And I, you can, I want you guys to feel free to comment on that, but let me get to the next part, and then we'll get to the, well, we, we'll get to the comments afterward. So if you want to know my thoughts for all you out there listening to the radio on the Spirit of Jesus Christ and everything else, you're going to have to go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. We're going to continue recording here, but we're going to have to close out the radio program as we're coming close to the time. So... I hope you're enjoying the discussion. If you want to hear the rest of the story, click on that radio mic at www.nvcoc.net and you'll find the, la- the second half of this program there. Thank you all out there listening to the radio and God bless. All right, guys, we have finished the radio program. We're going to keep going. And we're here at the Spirit of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. The New American Standard Translators 
obviously think the word spirit there means the Holy Spirit because they had the word capitalized, uh, su suggesting that view. If that's the case, then Paul could have in mind the promise of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would give the Lord's people the words needed to defend themselves. Now, I have a differing view on this, and I don't have any problem who, with anybody who has the Holy Spirit view. That's fine. Here's my, what I think. I don't think it's talking about the third person of the Godhead. When you see that whole expression, the provision of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ. So we know the Spirit there, the of is uh, got ownership. And so Jesus is the owner of the Spirit. And so I think it, well, I'll, I'll skip that part. He's talking about his vindication. That's going to occur whether he is freed or executed. doesn't matter. Paul thinks he'll be vindicated. And that this will be done on the level of his, Paul's, spirit. Now, Paul has a new spirit within him because he died, and Christ moved in on the level of his spirit. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 for I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what I think he's saying. That's where he's vindicated. God knows his heart. He belongs to Christ. He died, and he's doing everything for the progress of the gospel. Uh, what, what do you, uh, you what do you guys think about that, uh, Chad Sage? Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Sage? You go first. Um, I I I'm I'm right there with you, Chris. I I agree with with what you're saying. Uh, I uh, I uh, I when I when I when I when I put this in like I said when I put this in context, which is you know sometimes it's, it's a challenge to do. Uh, I. I believe that, that Paul in verse 19 is is really uh, focusing on his conduct. He's focusing on uh, you know him needing uh, the needing the, the help uh, uh, you know the prayers of Philippians so that he uh, so that his conduct remains in line with with the spirit of Christ, meaning his you know what he put into place, what he uh, what he uh, what he taught, the things that. that Christ wants from him, and of course, uh, that his heart remains uh, in the right place throughout uh, the rest of this this trial or this obstacle that he has to overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I believe there's there's a there's more to that in verse twenty. But before we we go there, is there are there any thoughts that you have, Chad? Well, actually, Chad just told me he's got to go. He he's a general contractor, oh, okay. and he's got to <laughs> head out to Fountain Hills help a lady with her closets. Well, I just enjoy sitting here listening to you two. It's, uh, it's uh, you, you learn a lot and get to, to give your input and everything. And I appreciate the time to be here and and put in my thoughts here and there. All right. Well, thank you, Chad, and uh, take care. Appreciate you coming by. Maybe we'll see you on here again next time. Okay. And I'll let you know what we're studying. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Take care. All right. Take so, care, Chad. Paul voices his confidence about being vindicated. Uh, uh, he says there in verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now that word shame uh, has nothing to do with public opinion about him. It, 
But it does have to do with his standing before God. Paul, like Job, knows with confidence that he is in a right relationship with God. He got that earnest expectation and hope. And so Paul will uh, will boldly exalt Christ no matter what the outcome of the trial. Since Christ came to dwell in him, he has consistently exalted Christ in his body. In all his sufferings, he had magnified the Lord as a faithful witness to him. And in this present trial, he has the confidence that Christ will again be glorified in Paul's earthly body. His only concern in all these circumstances is that Christ is exalted, that that there is a continued progress of the gospel, as Sage was letting us know during the radio program earlier on. And so that brings us to the last section, verses 21 to 26. Uh, Here Paul exhibits another great concern about the outcome of this trial. you got that word for there again, building upon the alternatives of life and death, up there in verse 20. And he, he's going to evaluate both of these as they relate to himself and to the Philippians. For me to live uh, is Christ and to die is gain. Paul has been talking about the proclamation of Christ. He's likely suggesting that if he is released from prison, it will give him the opportunity to continue to promote Christ in the world, you know, spread the gospel. Since Christ... Now lives in Paul. His whole life consists of that. All all of his bodily activity is directed toward glorifying Christ. However, if the verdict of his trial is death, then Paul himself would gain. That is profit. The benefit for Paul in dying would be in crossing the finish line of this long journey and be welcomed home to the Lord. I was watching this TV show the other day, and you you see this on almost all on a lot of shows and movies, especially with people when they have a brush with death. Um, you know, they'll have a brush with death, and when they come out of it, they'll think, oh, man, I can't believe I almost died. I need, There's so many things I wanted to do in life. And we start talking about, you know, marking out things on our bucket list. You, you know what I'm talking about, Sage? And, and so, yes, I do. Yeah, people, they want to do that. And so when they have this brush with death, they want to, oh, I, I almost missed out on so many things in life. And and they, they, they think about the things that they wanted to get done. They want to think about the things they wanted to say. But if I died and Christ lives in me, then my attitude should change on this, don't you think? I think it, it should. Whenever I have a brush with death, it should only be, well, I guess I didn't die. i got to keep on keeping on for the Lord. Man, too bad. I could have gone on home. <laughs> you know, that's the attitude Paul has. Because Paul has already died. He's already dead. And only Christ lives in him. He elaborates on this even more in the next couple of verses there. Uh, but if I am to live on in the flesh, there verse 22, if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. What do you think there, uh, Sage? Yeah, I... I, I completely understand what you're saying there chris and and you know everything he's saying in verse 21 and following is building off that conclusion that he drew and um you know kind of going up from uh going on from verse 20 uh, just talking about how how that is the main focus you know in him getting through this trial is that uh that he wants to remain uh full of courage and that he wants to continue to honor christ in his body 
uh, even though he's facing death, even though that that's something that uh, is probably <laughs> is probably uh, a reality for him in the near future, and, and he realizes that and he knows that, uh, but he's he's explaining why uh, that's okay with him. He's explaining that uh, that is that is something that he is perfectly content with the fact that he's facing death. Uh, because for him to live as Christ and to die is gain, and it would actually be better for him uh, to to be executed. <laughs> he he recognizes <laughs> yeah, that, he, you know, he's hard pressed. This isn't about Paul being suicidal. This isn't about being Paul, or Paul being you know some like to, some negative commentators like to say that Paul's being suicidal here. But he recognizes the fact that it actually works out to his benefit that he that he be executed. Well, yeah. I mean, man, he he knows what a tough life he's got ahead for him for himself, and it'd be a lot. It'd be a gain for him, and it would be a gain. It's a gain uh, when you cross the finish line and receive the the re- reward uh, or the award, and, and that's what he's talking about. And, and you're right. You know, it's it's not suicidal. Paul has no choice in this matter, none. Uh, when right. he when he says there, uh, what is that verse uh, twenty three? But I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with you, and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. But he doesn't have a choice. He's just saying, look, whichever one it comes out to, I'm good. I'm ready to take on whatever uh, choice the Lord gives, uh, uh, whatever uh, option the Lord uh, puts in my way. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. But if I had the choice, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to die and go on home and be done with this. But he already knows, he's pretty sure he's going to be acquitted in, in chapter 2, and he'll be, go on to do his work. He wants to go to Spain and preach there. He's got more things he wants to do. And so there in verse uh, 24, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the flesh. He recognizes the benefit that this will be for the Philippians and others. And, and notice the subtle contrast there in verse 25 with Christ and remaining with you all. The difference being death on the one hand and continuing in life on the other. Or to be in the flesh as opposed as to no longer being in the flesh. That word progress. Right, go, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just, I was just about to, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I believe that, that Paul here is even starting to explain uh, what it means for him to uh, remain on in, in full courage and to honor Christ in his body. Uh, meaning, if he's, if he's convinced uh, of the fact that, uh, you know, of all the things that he just said, uh, he says, I know that I will remain and, and continue with you all for your progress and going to faith, meaning that that is how I'm going to continue to uh, to honor Christ and how uh, in my body and how I'm going to continue on in, in full courage, um, and, and and you know that's that's where I believe the you know a big part of the application is for us today mm-hmm. um, is is are we are are we are we remaining in full courage? Meaning, are we we working for the progress of others? Are we are we continuing on with with what with what God commissioned us to do? Are we fulfilling that even though? Uh, even though life is, is extremely difficult at times, absolutely. And, and you know, are, the, the, are are we are we going to preach the gospel in season or or out of season? That is when it's uh, p- 
popular or when it's not popular, or or are we those fair weather Christians? You know, we only do it when when it feels good. Uh, but for for Paul, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how it goes, he's going to keep on keeping on. Yeah. Oh. Well, when when we when we really start to think about this, this becomes one of the more difficult things for us as Christians to wrap our minds around because everything in this life uh, is about physical. It's it's surrounded. Uh, we're, we're obviously surrounded by our physical things, but but you know we eat to to survive. We uh, we work to provide a shelter for our families. We do all these things that are so focused on our physical life and really sustaining our physical life. Uh, but so to transition from from thinking about okay, what am I going to do to survive? What you know, what what choices do I need to make just to preserve this physical life? Transitioning from that to okay, what is it that's going to uh, preserve my my spiritual life? What is it that's going to uh, help me to uh, be honored on that day of Christ when uh, when Christ comes back when He returns, which He's going to focus on later in chapter two. Uh, to transition into that mindset is, I, I believe, one of the more difficult things uh, that we're we're faced with in Christianity, just as a whole. Mm-hmm. So Paul here in verse twenty-five, you know, he he's telling them you know, this for this progress is for their joy and in, in, in the faith. This is for Paul to continue teaching in this realm will provide both of those things for the Philippians. Now I want to look at verse twenty-six uh, a little bit here. The New American Standard uh, has it this way. So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And that, that the way the New American Standard translates this sounds like Paul's talking about the Philippians' confidence in Paul. Uh, how does the English Standard Version read there, Sage? It says, uh, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. Oh, that's that's better. <laughs> that's better. Because <laughs> the, the wording well, here in the New American Standard is misleading. Proud confidence is usually translated as boasting, and it, and it has the sense of glorying in, in something or having joy in something. It, and here it refers to the reason for boasting. It's not likely that it refers to the Philippians having confidence in Paul. They already have confidence in Paul. The the sense of the expression here seems to be that if Paul is released and has the opportunity to help them progress in their Christianity, then they will have even more reason to boast in Christ because of Paul. I like the English Standard Version on that one. That's that's good. That's the way it, it ought to be. Their, their spiritual development as a result of Paul's continuing efforts with them will only bring about more boasting, more rejoicing as to what Christ has done for them. You know, the, the whole passage here presents a, a perspective which every Christian needs to require or acquire here. Paul could clearly see the reality of his existence, clearly. He belonged to the Lord, and it was Christ himself directing his life. And though death was no longer a scary prospect for him, but a welcome in to a completed journey. Like he says over there in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-five, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The Christian 
who has reached a level of spiritual understanding with Paul, can also say, to die is gain. To die is gain. You know, I preached on this uh, passage uh, not that long ago, and I was uh, closing out. I, uh, in my, my closing, I had a rhetorical question. Always be careful with those rhetorical questions. I have this rhetorical <laughs> question. I'm being real serious. And I said, are you ready to die? And in the back, my little three-year-old daughter, Jody, was listening. Because she said in the most emotional voice right there at the end, No. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole congregation started laughing. I could not stop the grinning. It was kind of funny, and it ruined the whole closing of my lesson. Nobody remembers anything <laughs> what I preached on, but they remember Jody saying, No, <laughs> I'm not ready to die. Oh, man. Well, at least, at least your kid was being honest. Hey, at least she was so listening. Good. She was listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least she was listening, and she was being honest. And, and to be, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, there, there are probably different times where we, we, we would answer that question the same way. Um, That's right. I, I think though, are, for a lot of ready? folks, for like even for me, I, I am ready to die. I would be. I, I have kids. I don't want to leave them. True, but I would love to go home. What scares me is Amen. pain. I don't want to get hit by a car. You know, I don't want to get trampled by a bull. <laughs> I'm scared of pain, <laughs> but I would like to go on home uh, out of this world. Well, Sage, thanks, man. I appreciate you sticking around. And I, I know that uh, you weren't. Uh, you thought we were doing another passage, and so we kind of got a little off uh, off base there. So you weren't fully ready, but you did great. I appreciate you being part of the program again. Uh, so next week, uh, maybe you can. If you got the time, take the reins. We'll start in chapter 1, verse 27. And uh, take that to how far you think you can go in the amount of 27 minutes. We'll, we'll let you take that, that passage there. All right? Sounds good, Chris. Thanks for having me. You know, thank you, Sage. And everyone uh, out there listening on the, the website, thank you for coming back and listening to the rest of the program. Thank you, and remember, as always, Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity God has afforded you. Boy, Paul sure did that there in his imprisonment. We need to have that same perspective. Thank you all, and may God bless your works in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 